This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Clap, 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 clap your hands and stomp your feet. You're listening. You're listening to the Clap Your Hands Podcast. Hosted by Elliot Shore Parks and Kyle Newbeck. Here they come. What's going on, everybody? This is the Clap Your Hands podcast brought to you by Odyssey Sports, brought to you by 94WIP. And today, Kyle, we are brought to you by what was maybe the most exciting, take-filled NBA regular season game that we've had for the Sixers maybe all year. I mean, the Nuggets game, certainly it was a lot from that one. But if you just want to talk about like subplots, great play, sloppy play, effort issues, clutch moments, that game really had it all. I almost texted you during the game. was like, we need to do the post-game pod right away. But <laughs> here, here we are. A lot to talk about from this one. Kyle, you were in the building last night, so it feels only right to start with you and just kind of, obviously, what are your big takeaways from that win over the Grizzlies? Well, first of all, I need the NBA to add two more teams to the West and slide Memphis, at least, to the Eastern Conference because <laughs> every Sixers-Grizzlies game in Philadelphia feels like it's absolute pandemonium. If you remember yeah. last year, they were down some guys and it was basically just Maxi leading the way and they had an, yep. an insane win over Memphis last year too. So they uh, they lend themselves to some crazy games. Um, I'll say this. I think that was maybe the most inspiring regular season performance I've seen from Joel Embiid in his career. Not because it was his best game, obviously. That's one of the worst offensive games I've seen him play all year and in quite a while. I think the fact that Joel shot so terribly and clearly didn't have it from the first free throw he shot, you saw it come off his hand and his reaction to it. It was like, oh, man, this is going to be one of those nights. And it just, yeah. he never really found it. I mean, he was 5 for 11 in the second half. I should give him credit for bouncing back a little bit after a really rough start. And his but, final numbers were not bad at all. Yeah, I mean, the box score is great. But the most important thing is that he was that bad on offense for a lot of the game. And he still was about as good as he can possibly play on defense. And to me, this is part of why I can never take people seriously who act like him and Nikola Jokic are on an even platform. Mm-hmm. Yes, Jokic is a more diverse offensive player, better playmaker, all that. You, can, I, I would hear the argument that Jokic is better on that end of the floor, but with Joel basically being a the lead, was the leading scorer in the league last year and is going to compete for that title this year. The gap is not that large. The gap between those two as defensive players is ridiculously large. That defensive performance from Joel Embiid was basically the only thing stopping Memphis from going to like a 25, Mm 30-point lead at points in this game. And Joel having that level to get to 
and recognizing in the moment, look, I don't have it tonight, but I have to find a way to lead this team is the sort of mentality that you and I on this podcast, people on TV and, and articles all over the place. This is what I've asked from Joel all the time. It's like, look, man, I know you're not going to have your A plus, you know, 50 point effort every night. You're not going to be your best self. You're going to have some ugly turnovers. You as the leader of this team have to find ways to win, to stay engaged with the game, to not let these, you know, rough starts or poor personal performances get in the way of, of the team's goals. And he hasn't always been able to do that, right? Like he's had mm-hmm. body language issues at times. There For are sure. times when he just checks out of games. He says, you know, I'm not getting enough touches or you know, my shot's not falling. And he drops his head and he, it's the woe is me, Joel, look. And, you know, the team has no chance at that point. This is the type of leadership that it is going to require for them to beat the Milwaukee, the Boston, the Denver's, those teams in a playoff series. You have to play 48 minutes of locked-in basketball. Now, they didn't even get that last night. They're clearly – they go down double digits. They're down 15 points at the end of the first quarter. They did not play well to start this game. But I think there is certainly a difference between this year's team – and their ability to climb out of these holes and to, to look at themselves in the mirror and say, you know what, this shit isn't good enough. Like this is not up to our standard and we're not just going to roll over and die because we had a tough start. And they, mm-hmm. you know, all these blown leads, I know that people don't like those and they are really common across the league, but the Sixers being able to hold on to those games to say, all right, we've screwed around enough. It's time to buckle down. And they see these games out in crunch time. Like, I think there is something different about this team this season. And I think Joel being able to find that gear on defense and shake off the offensive stuff is probably the best example of that. Yeah. So it's the Sixers game was kind of funny in the way that we're used to seeing them like almost blow second half leads as opposed to do the comeback thing. And we always talk about how, well, if you flip the halves, you know, you would leave the first half, if they're, you know, you, you would leave the game feeling way better because they were better in the second half than they were in the first half. And that's what happened last night. And there were obviously a ton of positives to take from last night. I tweeted after the game, like you just said, the difference between Embiid and Jokic was on full display last night, right? Like Jokic has to dominate on offense to have an impact on the game. Embiid does not. Last night, Embiid won that game for them with his defense in a lot of ways. James was awesome. Toby made clutch shots. Like even there was a loose ball that PJ Tucker got late that I remember when he got it thinking like, all right, well, that's why you pay him 10 million because he's yeah. hustling. He's getting right. All those things. But, but the, the further away from the loss, I, the, the loss, the further away from the win. You're talking yeah. about it like a loss here. I know. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so here's my thing. Again, I'm not trying to be Mr. Hater. I'm just being honest. I'm like a little discouraged from last night in the way that how do you come out and like the whole first half efforts a problem and doc has to like there, you know, Reggie Miller, and I'm sure we'll get into this. Reggie Miller tells a story about the practice was so bad that doc had to be like, KG would never allow this to happen. And he specifically signals out Embiid and Harden. Right. So I agree with you that this is a game they probably don't win in past years. And I think the biggest difference between this team and, and teams of the past is not a mental thing. It's a talent thing. They're just way better than they used to be. Harden is way better. Toby made that shot, right? Embiid wasn't that great, but Embiid's obviously awesome this year. So the reason I come away from last night feeling almost more discouraged than, than, than encouraged by the, the game 
is because you're still seeing the same bullshit effort problems. And Doc clearly still sees it. In the first half, there's still he's still in the timeouts being like, hey, are you guys going to try? Essentially is what he's saying. Maybe you know what happened at halftime. Clearly, I would imagine something at halftime of like, hey, guys, you're once again giving terrible effort out there. And so when I look at this team, I like – all the last, really since we've started the pod, I've been, I think, pretty good at being like, no, I believe in them. I'm enjoying to run all those things. Last night for me was a moment of maybe these guys just don't have it mentally. Like they are so talented. They're so good. But if you come out the first game after the All-Star break, the first practice after the All-Star break, and they're still having to yell at you, essentially doc, like yelling at you about effort, why should I believe that's ever going to change? So they won last night because of talent. But the Grizzlies were missing Steven Adams, which isn't a huge deal. But for Embiid, it is part of it. And the Grizzlies, as good as they are, they're not as good as the Celtics. They're not as good as the Bucs, in my opinion. Those teams are more talented, I think. And so I don't know if the Sixers' talent is going to be able to win in these against guys like Celtics and Milwaukee because the same effort problems are there. And it was there last night. I just – I don't agree at all. And I think – Saying there was an effort problem last night is basically saying the first quarter is the only quarter that happened in that game. Well, the first like, half. No, dude, they made a comeback in the second quarter. Yeah. Like, Jaron Jackson doesn't hit a, an insane shot at the end of the half, which they played great defense on that possession. It's a nine-point game, potentially like a seven-point game going mm-hmm. into halftime. In a half where they had maybe one guy playing well. And to me, it, it's like, it's less about Look, they clearly didn't have their best stuff last night. I think you learn a lot more about teams during games where they don't have it and nobody's playing well than you do when, like, you know, James is scoring 40 points or Joel's scoring 60 against Utah because he can't miss. Like, we talk a lot about, you know, the mental fortitude of this team. Are they going to be able to see themselves through tough times? Like, they, they suffer a tough loss, lose on a buzzer beater. They're down 2 nothing in a series, whatever it is. How are they going to respond? That game is a perfect example of what I want to see. They mm-hmm. now have the most 15-point comebacks that lead to wins of any team in the league this year. Wow. Three of those perform- three of those games. Memphis, number two team in the Western Conference. The Clippers, one of the most talented teams in the league, whether they're actually a real contender, is up for debate. And Denver, by far the best team in the Western Conference this year, like out in front by a good bit are going to be the number one seed in the West. They're not making these big comebacks against like the fucking Charlotte Hornets or the, the Pistons or like these yep. crappy teams that they're supposed to beat up on and screw around against. They're getting punished for, yes, I agree. They they did not come out last night looking good, but so much of that was the Grizzlies were overwhelming Joel. They double and triple teamed him and were relentless about that. And Bane's Joel didn't respond. Bane. Joel did not respond well to it, right? He did not play well to start that game. Second quarter, though, Doc mm-hmm. changes. And look, this is a great example of Doc is the coach when they're losing and he's not the coach when they're winning. <laughs> when they're losing, I, I thought there's fair criticism to say they're force-feeding Joel the ball at the same spots and you know they're trying to make something happen that's clearly not working. And then you look at what happens from the second quarter onward. Doesn't go to the all-bench lineup to open the second quarter. Instead of being an autopilot and saying, this is what I want to do. And he said after the game, he wants to expand the rotation right now because they have so many games that James starting the second quarter is not something he wants to do basically until the playoffs. 
but response mm-hmm. to the game situation says, James, I need you in here now. So James plays more minutes. They play to a dead, dead heat with Paul Reed on the floor. Like that is a big win for the Sixers in a game where they're already down 15 points. They cut it down a few points by halftime. They, they whittle into the lead. After that, second half, they play small ball in the fourth quarter. They cut the lead down to, I believe it was six points at some point, without Joel on the floor. They find a, a set late in the game. They're running a horn set where it was Embiid and Harden at the, the opposite elbows, and they're running stuff off of that using James as a screener. It's one of the plays that Harris got one of those open threes in the final five minutes of the game. So they're doing a lot of like small playoff-type adjustment stuff throughout that game. Then you add on top of that, again, Joel is finding a way to – you know, block out the the terrible shooting game and say, I got to find a way to get this done. And James, like, again, I'm, I feel like James has been second fiddle so far. We're like 12 minutes in. Yeah, the James has been, James was unbelievable and in the fourth quarter. J- and not even just the fourth quarter. The fact that James can come in and be the stabilizer and look, yeah. Joel is playing like crap. And that game could have gone from down 15 after the first quarter to, they're down 25 and the game is over. And then they do roll over and die by bringing James in. And you can at least get a few buckets out of him and you play the Grizzlies to a standstill without Joel. You just buy more time for your best player to be able to impact the game. And so James being able to go on these runs as a scorer. And again, that wasn't even like an A plus hardened game. There was some amazing shot making in the second half but for him to get i think it was what 31 7 and 7 yeah and be the the co-star that you need like that's not something that that ben simmons for example was ever able to do couldn't grab the game and say i got this i'd like i got you joel i'm gonna handle this i'm gonna buy you time to you know find yourself and find your rhythm james has been so good at that this year at, at winning those minutes without joel and saying we're going to be just good enough to buy the big fella time. And then, you know, we'll take our chances with the full group down the stretch. So I, I just think there are so many signs that, look, they still might lose in, in the playoffs to the Bucks or the Celtics. That's not I don't think that's like some giant indictment, but it will. Lead I agree. To, if they don't if they don't get out of the second round, I, I think there will be a major change one way or another with this team. And well, whether right, it's coach well, roster, whatever it is. but. I don't understand the defeatism from people watching this team. Like there are clearly reasons to say this looks different than it did in any year in the last five years. Okay. So I agree that if if you lose to the Celtics or the bucks now, ultimately if it's in the second round, like that's still a major problem. There's no shame. There's no shame in losing to the Celtics or the bucks. The Celtics and the bucks are, are very good teams, right? Like, so ultimately, if they lose, like it depends how they lose. If they lose like a great seven game series, like, you know, we'll we'll talk about that at the time. But, you know, we titled this Do the Sixers Deserve Your Trust? And you just said you don't understand the defeatism kind of attitude from fans. Right. But I think last night is exactly why fans are, are cautious to buy in, because you're right that the second half and like whatever we can debate what portion of the second quarter, like you were right that there was signs of them fixing a problem that they've had for a while. And I think the talent won out like that. That shot James hit the three from the corner with the shot clock expiring. Like you want to talk about a difference between him and Ben Simmons. Like there it is right there. Like that trade, that that shot is why you make the trade for James Harden to make that shot in that moment. in that Or literally game. any normal offensive yes, star yes yes 100 yes, <laughs> right but 
but but but like the issue is when when there's a consistent problem like and it shows up it matters more so you're right that ultimately i think last night the talent did win out and like you saw them try to fix a problem but it's but from a fan's perspective i can understand it like you tune into the game you're like all right the second half starting up you're coming off the eagles thing like there's a lot of like def- already like upset fans in the air right they come out and like the first thing you hear from the broadcast is that their practice was so sloppy that doc had to ascent you know yell at them about it he had to single out joel and harden at halftime james uh james barkley at halftime charles barkley is saying that they're not mentally tough and like those are all the things so you're right that they fixed it in the second half but my concern from last night is if they're going to come out with this type like to come out with that type of effort i just think in that spot is such is so indicative of this being a larger problem still with the team so you're right that they fixed it but like they fixed it in the second half but ultimately like here we are again talking about a great win where it's like there's effort issues and like that's what's so frustrating about this team is they are so talented and if they would just come out and like they're not a new team they're not a young team they've been together a while and bead's been in the league for forever they're a veteran led team like to come out with effort issues at the beginning it's just mind-boggling to the point where it does overshadow, I think, a great second-half performance in that way. And you're right that Embiid came out and Embiid did the – like he, his defense won that game. And it was good of him, I guess, that he was able to have a good defensive game despite his offense uh, not being great. But it's also like what are we talking about? This dude's been in the league for forever. He's in his, what, seventh, eighth year, something like that. And we're still applauding – like, we're applauding the fact that he didn't just give up because he was missing early on. Like, that's why people hesitate to buy in because while they are talented, it's the effort stuff. And that's what's most frustrating is it isn't a lack of talent. It's a you don't know if this team's going to show up, show up on any given night. And if they play that style of game in the playoffs, they're not going to beat the Celtics or Milwaukee because you're not going to be able to consistently. I know your stat about the comebacks is good, but I would be skeptical if they find if they come out with this type of effort in the playoffs that they're going to win a series against a good team. Sure, I get the skepticism. I just think you know if we're throwing the baby out with the 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 bathwater here with saying they came back from the All Star break and didn't have a great practice, it's like oh man. I don't give a flying fuck about well, practice well, after Doc, the All-Star break. Doc clearly did. Doc, Doc clearly, clearly did. does. And again, Kevin Garnett and Joel are very different people. Kevin Garnett is an absolute psycho. Right. Guess what? The only time Kevin Garnett ever won was that one year in Boston. Yeah. So just because he was a maniacal competitor didn't make any actual difference. What matters is, is the team good enough around him? Yes or no? That like... People like to make it seem like it's this really complicated thing. And and look, yes, the the night-to-night effort, I wish was better. I I wish we didn't have to say, you know, why didn't Joel get that rebound? Why is their defense not good enough on this possession or for this quarter or whatever it is? I wish we were watching a team that was by far the best team in the league that just takes care of all their business, whatever. But, you know, while I was watching some arguments play out, over the last you know week or so about the Sixers on social media, I'm just struck by like I don't think many people actually really follow the NBA who follow mm-hmm. the Sixers. Like the Bucks are treated as this like relentless machine compared to the Sixers when they have needed a 12 game win streak to get like two and a half games ahead of the Sixers. Mm-hmm. Two and a half games ahead. You look at some of those games. You know, they beat up on some bad teams. 
they won an overtime game against the Celtics that it was basically that same banged up version of the Celtics that people in Philadelphia treated it like it was the world was ending that the Sixers lost that game. Same exact guys on the floor for Boston against Milwaukee. The Bucks should have lost that game. Like mm-hmm. rally to come back at the end of the game, goes to overtime, they win in overtime, whatever. People don't see those games. They're not watching Bucks Celtics or Bucks anybody but the Sixers and seeing a lot of good teams in the regular season go through peaks and valleys. Like I, I, I don't think people understand that like there is no team this year that is like the oh my god, they're on an ass kicking tour. Every single team in the league deals with this type of shit. I understand that the trust with this Sixers team specifically is not there because some of these issues have shown their their ugly face in the playoffs before. I get it. I understand. Joel hasn't been healthy in the playoffs. People are are waiting to see if that's going to happen again this year. Like the rug's going to get pulled out from under this team and it's like, why did I even bother if Joel's going to be hurt? James Harden has the playoff resume that he does. I get it. Doc Rivers has the playoff history that he does. I get it. But but saying things like, you know, they have like an especially bad effort or or like a a, a, spe- a unique case when it comes to you know ups and downs in the regular season is just not true. And so I get why people get fired up, but like look at the le- it just like look at the standings it is a great great way to think about this. There is no runaway team this year. The Sixers, who we're talking about as if they're just like this unserious team. If they beat the Celtics on Saturday night, which, you know, they probably won't because Boston is better and have Philadelphia's number, whatever. If they beat the Celtics on Saturday night, we're going to be back to talking about them potentially getting the number one seed in the entire conference. And so it's impossible for me to sit here and say they're a completely unserious team. They don't give effort. They don't do this. They don't do that. And then say James Harden and Tyrese Maxey missed 10 weeks of the season and they're still in a position to maybe get the number one seed in the entire conference. Yeah, but I think they're that- not that talented. You can't yeah. argue that they're so talented that that's the reason that they're in position. Like that's just not true. So I do think, look, like comparing roster to roster, I'm not saying they're so talented compared to anybody else, but they are the most talented that they've been in the last few years. Like the way, James that, is playing sure. and the way Joel is playing. Toby's probably playing. He's cooled off for sure, but he's probably playing some version of the best basketball he has in a Sixers uniform this season. Maxi is really the only one I think that's been up and down ish. But yes, like I do think to your point about why do why are the Bucks treated a certain way and the Sixers are not? It's because the Bucks have won like flat out. The Sixers sometimes act like a team that have already won, and they're just like we'll turn it on when we need to. But they've a never shown that they can do it. And B, like they've specifically shown they are unable to do it. Like you talk about people are waiting for the playoffs to see if Joel will be healthy and James playoff resume. That really isn't the big thing to me. Like Joel is either going to be healthy or not. There's nothing they can do about that. My concern is like last night to me showed some signs again. And look, maybe I'm overemphasizing the first half. That's certainly possible. But to me, combined with everything, it just showed like, why would I like, I'm, I'm probably going over the top here, but why would I trust that this team's going to step up when it matters when they once again come out and just look like completely disinterested? They're like, and I'm not a huge practice guy to, to sound like Iverson, like, you know, we're talking about practice here, but clearly Doc felt enough of that to tell Reggie Miller about it, right? Or however that happened to bring it up. So clearly, once again, Joel and Harden came out 
and like Doc wasn't happy with their performance. And so I get your point that like, look, last night's a good example. The Grizzlies are the second best team in the West. They blew a huge lead against the Sixers, right? Like, I don't know if a Memphis Grizzlies podcast is opening today and being like, why take them seriously? Because they blew a game. You're right. There are roller coasters in the NBA. But ultimately, when you talk about the roller coasters, like you lose and win for different reasons. The Sixers consistently, like the main problem is the effort. And so in a game where I'm supposed to feel good about the second half, and I do to a certain extent, it just felt like another night of like, all right, so this team just doesn't have it ultimately. Like ultimately, does Joel and Harden have it? Like they're so talented, but do I trust they'll step up in a big moment? I don't know. Like, I, that's just how I, I'm just being real about how I felt leaving that game last night. Like, I Which just. Which fine. You, I mean, yeah. you can be wrong. That's how you feel. Oh, trust me. Yeah, I've been <laughs> wrong. Yeah. It was funny last night um, when Embiid got blocked by, uh, who was it? It was, um, was it? Uh, Jaron Jackson. Jaron Jackson. Yeah. Which I is retweet- an incredible play. Incredible. It was unbelievable. Yeah. I retweeted my Von- Noah Von Ley tweet. I was like, everyone else gets oh. to do it when, uh, oh, well, you know, to make fun of me. So I, I did it there. And then obviously, look, he comes back with that block, which was which was unbelievable. The block at the end to off. Do you think? Uh, do you think Morant would have finished that if no one was there? Oh, for sure. And also, so? the PJ commented on Instagram today, which is really funny. He goes, and they somehow missed the obvious charge here, which if you watch the replay, no one's even paying attention to it. PJ gets run over by John yeah. as he's going up for the dunk. <laughs> so. I actually thought that live, but I was like, maybe I'm missing something because nobody's talking about it. But yeah, I, I didn't really look at it that closely, so I, I don't know. But to your point about the Grizzlies podcast, I, I do think, I mean, I follow people from basically every fan base and, and like beat writers for every right. team and all that. Flex. So it's funny, you know, people in the first quarter of that game, first quarter and a half are like, this is what it looks like when you play a team with a real coach. And if you go <laughs> and look at like what Grizzlies fans are saying this morning, there is a whole lot of like Taylor Jenkins doesn't have what it takes to lead this team <laughs> anywhere. And it's like, it's this, and literally if you go through the arguments and this is again, when they hired Doc Rivers, I was the guy who was like, he's not the accountability guy. Like everyone wanted Brett gone and to bring in like, oh, somebody's got to be the accountability coach. Right. And I was like, look, I think Doc has some strengths as a coach, but he's one, he's had some great playoff failures. And two, he's not the accountability guy. In fact, the, the story in LA when he left is that he let Kawhi and PG do basically whatever the fuck they wanted. And that's part of why that team wasn't a serious team. So like, I have gone from that to now it's like I'm on the other side. It's like people swung way too far the other way. Now it's everything Doc does is wrong. And like, again, to go back to the Taylor Jenkins thing, it's like his rotations and he didn't make adjustments. And it's like every fucking coach, the complaints from every fan base is the same. Unless the team is winning 65, 70 games. And even then it's like, the Warriors win 73 games. It's like, why didn't Steve Kerr do this? Or like, right. he, he got outcoached by Ty Lue in the finals. It's like, no, maybe LeBron James is just one of the two greatest players of all time and had an absolute blinder for four straight games. Like, yeah, sometimes that happens. And again, I don't want to, I'm not saying this to say there are no valid complaints or concerns about Doc. I am as skeptical of playoff Doc as probably anybody on the beat. And I sympathize with everybody's concerns. But what I want people to to understand is that what you're feeling is not anything close to unique among, you know, basically all 30 NBA fan bases. Actually, to bring up Steve Kerr again, the Warriors have been a middle of the pack 
Western Conference team this year. They've had injuries. They also, their depth just sucks. So that has been a problem. But if you look at how Warriors fans talk about Steve Kerr, who's won a bunch of titles for them, <laughs> it's like, he's still not good enough. He's like, oh, they're playing curveball and yeah. they're, they're not getting the most out of this guy. It's like, so. Well, but I, I just think, want people to take a breath when it comes yeah. to, to analyzing a basketball team. Well, but I just think for me, I think for me, what's frustrating is that I don't have the concerns other people have. Like, I believe mostly in Doc. I believe that James will, like, my concern is just the helpless feeling of knowing I can know the team's good enough. I can believe in them. I can put my trust in them. And then they can just come out and just, like, not give a shit for a quarter and a half. And, like, all that's, that's down fair. the drain. So I think that that's why last night to me, maybe that resonated with me more is just because I do believe in them. And like, if you, you talk about the Bucks needing a 12 game winning streak just to get a lead on the Sixers, it's because the Sixers win all the time. Like they win all the time. I think they're they, like, they've been the best team in yeah. the, the whole league since like December 5th or December 1st. Yeah. Whatever, for, I mean, for like almost three months, this is not an aberration at this point. I'm trying to find this tweet. My friend sent me and it's like, I'm not going to be able to find it in time, I'm sure. But it's just like highlighting how the Sixers over the last whatever stretch are like top five in this, top six in this. Like they've been an absolutely dominant team on both sides of the ball. I mean, I saw a tweet today. They're the the number one team in the league in clutch three-point shooting percentage. Like they, there's so many boxes they check. And, and you know, I, I, not to sound like a broken record, but again, that's why for me, it's just so frustrating that it's still like in practice getting yelled at about effort and coming out sloppy and like, it because they're so good. Like, and it maybe it's because I covered an Eagles team and I hate to do this like basic take, but you know, a lot of people last night, like Jalen Hurts needs to give them a talk about effort. And I think that's stretched out a little bit, like a bit of a, a, a weak point, but like I covered an Eagles team that effort was really never a problem. Now they were talented and I get it's different because there's only 17 games versus 82, but also at the end of the day, like it's just different for me to watch a team night in and night out where I have to go in questioning if they're going to try like that. That's why it's frustrating to me because they are so good. They're so good. Like Harden is everything I could have hoped for. Embiid again, last night showed why he's better than Jokic. Like all those things are true. It's just like, God damn, man. Like, can't you just, can't you just try harder in these big games? It wasn't like they were playing the Hornets on a Tuesday night on a local broadcast. It was the Grizzlies on TNT the first game back. Even to the Eagles' point, though, like there are a lot of games that they won in the middle portion of that season where people are like, they're not for real. They're not winning these games by enough. Like people viewed that Texans win, for example. Yeah, the Colts like, win. The Colts win. The Colts win was another great example. Like those are games that people are losing their minds over. And, you know, you win the game, you have to win. That's, I get the process is very important. Like how you get there how you look, whether you're beating teams by enough or just, you know, it's an unsustainable, you're squeaking games out, whatever. But, you know, I there is something to, you just find ways to win. And that- Yeah, I agree with that. Wanna, if you want to compare them to the Eagles in any way, and I don't think they deserve that comparison. They have, certainly have not been as good in their sport as the Eagles were uh, in the NFL this past season. That is something that ties them together. Like that Colts, there have been a lot of versions for the Sixers of that Colts game where it's like, yeah, they don't have their best stuff tonight. And some of that has been self-inflicted, which is where I agree with you. Like the, the stuff that's they're messing up and, and they're not rebounding or not defending, there's bad effort, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. 
I don't want to see that stuff. But the fact that they're able to, in crunch time, in second half, say, we can figure this out. We can make this adjustment. Joel can do this. James can do this and get there. That, to me, is really encouraging. So I don't know why I suddenly am like Mr. Optimism. I was going to say, man, it's so funny. Like, when we started the pod, I... I like had an idea of what I thought your opinions were going to be. I never thought you would be the Mr. Like, you know, everyone enjoy the ride guy. So I enjoy it. I think, I think it's fun. It's it's also like, I just enjoy basketball and it seems like a lot of people do not who follow this team. It's like, yeah, I like I like watching basketball. So like, there's no sense in, if you're again, be a fan, however you want to be a fan, watch games, however you want to watch games. But if you're going to watch this team all the time, and just be miserable even when they win. It's like, why even bother? I, like, I don't, that's I do just not a mentality specific, I can get behind. I agree. I do hate the specific brand of tweet where people are like, ugh, why do I waste my time with this team? Or like, this team's going to be the death of me. Or like, this is what it's like to be a Sixers fan. I'm like, guys, like, calm down a little bit. Like, everyone enjoys, you know, you're doing this for fun. Everyone enjoys watching the Sixers. I think there is a bit of a mentality there amongst fans of like, woe is me. But, you know, they have... They have let them down. So anything else on last night, the game, before we uh, move Two on? Two things. To that point, I, I I think it was strange. People were talking some yesterday about, you know, the, the Phillies and needing to prove it. And the Sixers are in that same kind of territory where it's like it's been so long since they've won that, you know, mm-hmm. people want a reason to latch on. But I saw a lot of Phillies optimism throughout last year that, had not really been earned prior to that, you know, big run that they went on. And there's not that same thing with the Sixers, even though, you know, as franchises over the last, you know, this like last half decade or so, we could go further back, I guess. They've been very similar in that there's been a lot of, you know, high highs, but then collapses or they're just not good enough when it counts in September and the Phillies case and, it's also way harder saw... to make the playoffs in baseball. Like to your point about comparing the Sixers, you can be like a half competent team and make the playoffs in the NBA. But they're so not just squeaking into the playoffs. No, no, I, no, 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 that's the, point, the difference. Yeah. They're the they're like they're an upper echelon Eastern Conference team, regardless. That's I no, I agree a... with that. I'm just saying that the Sixers, the difference between the Phillies and the Sixers is the Sixers consistently make the playoffs, and the Phillies have made it one time in the last however many years. So that is one clear difference. Which is why I don't get why the Phillies said there was like a team of destiny bullshit all year, but you know, well, that's another. The, the Phillies are the ultimate, like literally the ultimate example of how winning changes everything. If you think about how this team was viewed, they were like super unpopular. Like I don't want to get in a whole vaccine thing, but remember they were like the least vaccinated, whatever, all that stuff. And yeah. then they win and it's like, Oh man, this team is so lovable. Look at blah, blah. Like, and, and that's, that's what's, that's like the Sixers issue because the Sixers do have a very likable team. And a lot, I mean, a lot of these guys are super. We're going to see how likable the Phillies are playing without Bryce Harper. For Ex- yeah, exactly. Like months. all of a sudden, then it'll be like searching up who likes MAGA tweets again, right? Like that's yeah. what it'll go back to with this team. But but ultimately, that's, I think the, the difference is this Phillies team has won. Now we'll be interested to see this year how they're treated. I, do, I don't think they'll enter this season with the same amount of pressure that the Sixers and Eagles do, I do think there will be more of a enjoy the ride with this team than there is, but it's this, I mean, they're in the exact same boat. The Eagles are in the way that they made the world series, you know, and lost it. Like, so 
But I don't know. I think they'll I think they'll be treated slightly differently. Yeah. So the one last thing, the other thing I wanted to add, I just wanted to see if you think you can guess this. So the Sixers are no, I, eighth I in offense. These. Sixers are eighth in offense and sixth in defense. So is this via what? Top like 10 team net rating? This is this is offensive rating, just offensive efficiency, defense. Okay. Efficiency, All right. Which All right. is historically to be a title contender, you absolutely have to be top 10 on both ends of the floor. Where do you think Milwaukee ranks in offense and defense this year? I'll get, I'll give you this. The defense is very good. Okay. So you said the Sixers were what in defense? Seven? Sixth. Sixth? Okay. So I'm going to guess Milwaukee is fourth in defense. And I'm going to guess based off like the clues here that the, the offense is not good. Maybe 12th in offense. They are second in defense as of okay. today. They are 23rd in offense. Wow. This year. 23rd. Wow. They are a bottom third of the league offensive team this season. Wow. So I want people to understand, like, yes, Chris Middleton has been hurt much of the year. Since he has come back, they've been awesome with him on the floor, all that. So that season-long number might not end up being all that relevant. But the people who are treating the Milwaukee Bucks like they are some like, oh, my God, way better than the Sixers type team are out of their goddamn minds. I, I agree. They're a bottom people, 10 offense yeah. in the league. So I agree, 10. I agree with you. People should not treat the Bucks. Excuse me. Like they're way better than the Sixers. But again, like they've earned the right. They've earned that right to get the benefit of the doubt. The Sixers have not. I was just debating with my friends a few days ago about the Miami Heat because we were saying, I said if they got the Heat in the first round, it wouldn't be an ideal matchup for me because I think that the Heat have a history of winning, like all those things. And they were like, well, they suck this year. And they do suck this year. But to your point, like the, like the Heat, the Bucks, the Celtics, those teams have accomplished things where they get the benefit of the doubt that the Sixers do not. It's like, well, I don't believe in the Cavs. Like the Cavs don't have that history. So I, I get your point that the Bucks are maybe even not as good as the Sixers this year. You could make that argument. But I think the reason they get talked about differently is because of what they've accomplished. I I understand that part. I'm just saying, like, if we're just saying we're looking at this year and you don't, I don't try to worry about, oh, because the Sixers lost with Ben Simmons on the team, that means they're not going to win this year with That's James fair. Harden That's and Joel Embiid. It's like, I don't view it that way. So I'd say, all right, what is Milwaukee doing this year? What is Boston doing this year? I think Boston has absolutely earn the right to be treated as they're the clear favorite to come out of the east they're the the best team they have the the playoff track record that i i frankly trust more than i do milwaukee's because mm -hmm. you know you look at milwaukee a lot differently if kevin durant's foot is not on the line uh, a couple yeah, years ago that's a whole another that's a whole and different discussion like who, who knows who way. knows what the bucks look like or who they're coached by at that point because mm -hmm. everybody wanted that well, guy and, been playing yeah yeah um, so again, I'm not saying any of this to be like the Sixers are the best team in the East and they're they're gonna win the championship and all that stuff. Like I no. I get it, I get why people won't fully buy in, but all I'm trying to say is there are indicators that suggest this is a better version of the team, that there's a much, much smaller gap between them and you know the teams they need to beat than maybe we would have thought there was last year, two years ago, three years ago, whatever it is. And to try to just like enjoy the season a little bit, Dude, like I, this, 
this month of March that's coming up, I know it's like, oh, this is a tough schedule, blah, blah, blah. This is awesome. They're going to play so many good teams. We don't have – normally the month of March sucks. It's like nothing but, oh, they play the Atlanta Hawks and they play the Orlando Magic and, right. and all these teams that nobody cares about. They are playing marquee games for like a month straight. They're going to play the Warriors. They're going to play Kevin Durant and the Suns. Luca and Kyrie in Dallas. They're going to play Milwaukee twice. They're playing yeah. the Celtics on Saturday night. They're, like as a person who enjoys the sport of basketball, which again, not sure how many people in the <laughs> fan base actually. Well, do. the truth is, people don't enjoy the sport. Like I, I find this with football. <laughs> people like football, but people like the drama around football. You know, like it's like with the Gannon thing when everyone's like talking about his defensive scheme. None of us can break down a defensive scheme. None of us can talk about the adjustments that he's made. People enjoy the drama with sports. But I, I think you are right in the way that when I listen to you talk about basketball, you enjoy the sport of basketball. Like you, I love X it. That's why I do this game. damn job, man. Like yeah. I, I just like watching. I'll turn on a game and it's just like, oh, man, something crazy could happen yeah. or I, so, it, it reminds me of um so Zach Berman of the Athletic, who I'm I'm sure you're you're aware of, yeah. said that like his favorite part of the job or something is right before the anthem because you never know what's gonna happen. Like like, like something like that. And I feel that's like that's your mentality. So you're a reality TV guy. Like exactly part yeah. of the reason why people, even though you know, there's levels of scripting and whatever in most reality TV shows anymore. Oh, I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. But like Part of the reason people watch stuff like that is, you know, something unexpected might happen. And that's right. like the whole fun of sports is that you're not watching a scripted show or movie yeah. where there's only ever one outcome. It's like I could walk into an arena and Joel might score 59 points against the Jazz and have one of the greatest NBA games of all time on offense and defense. Or they might lose to the Houston Rockets on the day we start the podcast, and you know, it's just <laughs> yeah, exactly. A, a miserable. And look, like the, the lows suck in sports. Like as someone who was a fan in a past life, and now it's like the checked well, out emotionally sports writer guy. It's the um, three weeks ago, yeah, yeah. Like I get it. I know the roller coaster is tough, but like you have to try to enjoy moments like these and games like these and like I, runs like these where you get to see a team you care about players you care about whatever against you know the elite teams all throughout the league that's gonna be awesome i i agree man i'm excited for the next month especially look like even though i have my issues with last night they still beat a really good grizzlies team at the end of the day so all right i have two more things or i guess maybe one more but one of them um i didn't tell you about before the pod but i do want to ask you about this so okay Daryl Morey was on the rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast, right? Talking about, uh, <laughs> talking about, you need a lot, long interview. Uh, and I did think he said something interesting. He was talking about the backup center extensively because as much as I love spike, my guy spike and Mike love the backup center position. Um, and he said, they feel confident with PJ Paul Reed, and I believe it was Deadman was the third. Uh, Dwayne Deadman is the third Who, of one. course, was hurt coming out of the All-Star yeah, break. Who, of course, hilarious. was All-Star hurt, right. <laughs> I thought it was a little interesting he didn't mention Trez. And then you also think about I the, did fact too. That, I th the fact that they tried to sign Kevin Love. So, like, they don't have a roster spot. I don't know, man. It it feels like, like, is Trez going to get cut? Like, is Trez going to be on this roster the next time we do a pod in a few days? Like, is this guy on the outs? I just think it's e either it was a Freudian slip. 
or it was like just how he views that team. And to not even mention Trez when he's been arguably the top backup center in, in a majority of games this year, I just thought was surprising. I actually meant to uh, to reach out to Daryl to see if that if there was anything to read. Not that he would admit to it either way, but right. Well, do you think I, do you I think had the same reaction? Ever, do you think he'd ever come on the pod, or you think he's too committed to the Ricky at this point? Uh, I, I think maybe off season pod we might be able to off season pod. All right, yeah. I think he's got the respect for you. He brings you up, you know, occasionally. So I feel like he would like that, and I look like him, so it would be a win win. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've never even thought about it. I'm the it, smaller version of Daryl Morey. Uh, he is honestly like people don't realize how tall he is. And so they, Dude, he's uh, huge. Yeah. They see him in person. Um, so I did think it was interesting. Um, if Actually, I want to tie the Kevin Love thing to you brought up the heat real quick. So Kevin Love is a great example of like the heat needing him to play is an example of why the Sixers are better. Yeah, they are. They are straight. They're they're better than the Heat. They are. They are better. Special thing to say. And the reason he is in Miami, or one of the main reasons, is that they need to play him. He has to have a role for them. I think if if you're asking me, if (laughs) if the contract stuff wasn't an issue and they could just cut Trez without, you know, he doesn't have the player option next year, or they get him to eat that for whatever reason. I don't know why he'd do that, but. If they got him to to just move on and you right. put Kevin Love in Trez's roster spot, great. That's awesome. I think the problem with Kevin Love, and I said that as much on Twitter and in the article I wrote about him, is that he doesn't offer anything different or even better than George Niang at this point. I don't trust him to play center at all because it, with the way this roster is set up, it'd just be a layup line. Like they give up too much dribble penetration and ask a lot of whoever the center is to, to clean things up at the rim. And that is not Kevin Love. Like he's mm-hmm. a good rebounder, all that. If you put him next to somebody like Joel, I think he would end a lot more possessions. And, you know, maybe that helps relative to Niang and he's a different option compared to Niang. But if I'm looking at how to construct a, you know, a, a playoff team, the end of bench guys need to do something different. And, and in that way, Deadman, as much as I think he's cooked and like maybe they should have held out for somebody else, at least he is, you know, he's a big body rim protecting type that they did not have a guy like that behind Joel. And if he's got to get called into action, I can at least see a scenario where he can do something nobody else can do. Mm-hmm. Kevin Love is basically like, you're just playing him if George is not hitting shots. And even if George is hitting shots, like the defensive problems are basically the same. And I just trust that. Look, if Cleveland thought Kevin Love could be a playoff level contributor, Kevin Love would still be on the Cavs. He'd yeah. be in the rotation and playing for them. Miami is desperate enough because their, their depth has been bad this year that they're saying, look, you're going to come down here and, he might honestly start some games for them. Like that's how dire the situation is in Miami this season. So I, yeah. I, that's another, I, like add oh, another okay. brick into my case for like the Sixers are just better than people. Think. Yeah, but, but so my point, since now we're having this discussion, yeah, the Sixers are way better than the heat. I agree with that, but the heat, like their strength is the Sixers specific weakness. So that's why if you were saying to me as a first round matchup, I would much rather face the Knicks or the Nets. Their strength is in they just like play hard. 
Yeah, they play exactly. hard. They, they, and, and, and they're consistently better in the playoffs than they are in the regular season. If you look at the last three years, they've been to the uh, Eastern Conference Finals twice. I think the finals once. They did get dipped out in the first round one time. They got swept, if I'm not mistaken. So, like, they were bad the one year. But to me, they are the team that, like, if it's the first round matchup, it's a, it's almost like the better version of the Raptors last year, in my opinion. Like, the Raptors were a tough team last year to get, but they ultimately don't have that guy. The Heat don't really have that guy, but they do have Butler, who can, you know, occasionally take a game off. Like, who would you rather face in the first round? Heat, Knicks, or Nets? Uh, like rank them, the, rank them. Probably the Knicks. And then I don't know. It's, I I have to watch more of whatever this. I, I would honestly, no, I, I take that back. I'd rather play Brooklyn out of anybody because Ben Simmons is on that team and I know he's a fraud. So <laughs> and that would be he's, well, it's crazy. The, he's not even playing now. Well, I so I think people ran with that a little. I think he's still gonna play. I think he'll probably play like 10 to 15 minutes, which is obviously a so gigantic wild, ball from Grace. I made a joke yesterday to somebody where I was like, you know, if, if Ben gets bought out, would you sign him? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dude, I was like thinking that yesterday. Like, what would that buyout look like? Like it would happen. Well, here's the thing: he's never getting bought out because Ben is taking every last cent from that contract because he's yeah. never getting a big one again. Do you think if That's... he was a free agent right now, a team would sign him? Uh, a team would sign him. I, so here's the interesting thing: I I don't know if I brought this up on the podcast before. I know I've had this conversation maybe with you and some other people mm -hmm. within the beat and within you know the other media members who come to Philly, Ben obviously comes up a lot as you know, his ups and downs happen in yeah. Brooklyn and the conversation throughout the year, at least start of the year was, you know, what is Ben's next contract look like? And I have long been in the, he's not getting much of one, if anything, I don't think like, I think teams will be willing to offer him something at the end of this deal, just because it's like, you know, he'll be young enough that, He's a reclamation project. If you can tap into where he was formerly and do that on, you know, a, a much smaller contract, mm -hmm. somebody will take the risk. The bigger question to me at this point is like, will Ben just retire? Does he want to play basketball when this contract is over? Yeah. And based on everything we see, like, I don't know the answer to that question. That very well might be no. He might just be done. Like he collects this. Max contract. He's made, you know, 200 plus million dollars between this and, and Nike and whatever yeah, else. Yeah, and all and the other like, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he just decides, I don't want this anymore. Like, he does not look like a guy who enjoys playing basketball. Like, that, that is very so, clear to everybody who watches these games. Him and Carson Wentz are always linked together because they came up at the same time. They were next up, all those things. And I always think, like, now, Carson unfollowed me on Twitter, so I don't think I have direct Ooh. access. I know. I don't have direct access to him anymore. But if I could give Carson advice as he sat down, and I would honestly maybe give the same advice to Ben, I'd be like, just retire, man. Like, what? Like, how bad do you have to love this in order to, like, go out every night, have all of the league, like, ridicule you to shreds? Like, you know the teammates are probably making fun of him. Like, for Carson Wentz, just retire. Why would you go be a backup somewhere? And with Ben, I'm like, you have legit health issues too. Just take your money and just go live a life. I think people would respect it if he if he put out a statement and was like, you know what, guys? I'm not the player I used to be. I just don't have it in me. I'm walking away from the game. Like, now look, he's going to get all of his money. I'm talking about the end of his deal. But ultimately, like, 
just go live your life, man. You have so much money. Like why, why I just, why would you put yourself up to that public ridicule every day? So I will say, I actually respect if Wentz is willing to just keep taking that beating for just because he loves the sport. Like I, I, I understand your perspective, mm-hmm. but like I, if he genuinely loves football enough to be clearly a shell of who he was physically and mentally, but still say, I want to keep giving it a go. Like I, I want to try to, to rebuild myself to, you know, he's more than likely never getting anywhere close to the level he was no. at. But if you're still willing to like to deal with the blowback and say, you know, I love this game enough that I'll give whatever I have to it, then I still respect. I like I respect that. You know, I that doesn't mean I have to respect. You know, whatever quirks he has as a personality, his right. work ethic in terms of like you know getting back to that level, whatever it is. But I at least can have some level of admiration for someone who is just getting humiliated every time they step on the field, essentially, and saying, I still love this enough that I can get this right. I, so I'm curious whether Ben has that in him. Like, if there, I this tailspin is only getting worse. He's already – Jacques Vaughn is basically saying this guy can't play in press conferences. It is so, very different than how Doc treated him. You know, like Doc, like for what, for whatever, better or worse, whatever, Doc certainly had his back up until the very end. And it seems like uh, the Nets coach is taking a very different approach to him. Well, I, I mean, it's the difference between he was one of the guys here. And now it's very clear that Ben is not anywhere close to even that level of player in Brooklyn. And Jacques Vaughn's like, why am I going to stick my neck out for this guy? I'm not going to treat him yeah. differently and have the rest of the players in the locker room be like, Yo, bro, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> nah, I, I agree. Um, all right. I'm trying to think of what else there is. So I had a Joel Embiid question for you. We were going to do a Joel uh, pressure topic, but I feel like maybe let's save that. We're, we're a little far into the pod. But so there was something before the game last night. Um, I, I forget who the reporter was. It might have been Tim. I can never pronounce his last name. Tim Bonna. Bontemps. That's my guy. Bontemps. Yeah. I've met him. He's a very nice guy. Um, but he said before the game, there was some type of like Joel was considering shutting it down for a little bit to take an extended rest to make sure he's healthy. I could be uh, paraphrasing this a little bit, but my question for you would be, you know, it seems like a question every pod, but like, do you think Joel could like shut it down for a week? Like, where do you think he's at just health wise? Or does it seem like he's just going to keep pushing through? I think it's going to depend on if he has a flare up with this foot issue again, because they're there basically been two primary events that was when mm-hmm. he first messed it up against Minnesota. And then I believe he tweaked it again against the Pelicans in earlier mid January. And that was when he missed a, a small stretch of games after that. It's basically it's as far as he has described it. And as it's been explained to me, it's a pain management thing. Right. So, you know, if he has a, a fall or he comes down off a grab and a rebound, a dunk, whatever, and tweaks it. And he's in a lot of pain. I think then it's probably, yeah, he misses a week. He misses two weeks, whatever it is. But unless that happens, I think he's just going to try to deal with this. Like, I I don't think it's something that unless he takes that time is going to go away entirely. Like it's an off season thing that it's one of, uh, to me, it feels like one of those things where, a team might hide it for a different guy in a different sport where it's like, and it comes out after the year. Oh, he was actually dealing with yeah. this injury for most of the year. And 
Joel is just never <laughs> quiet about it's like I'm no, dealing with not. this. Like I was expecting last night for him to be like, I wasn't even supposed to play in this because <laughs> I was sick and do the whole. <laughs> He is very into the and look, man, I'm someone that enjoys exaggerating. Like, you know, if I'm a little sick, like I'm definitely a lay on the couch and have Kristen try to feel bad for me, guys. So I am definitely like I can sympathize with the exaggerating how you feel. He is certainly in the camp of wants everybody to know what he's dealing with guy, which is, again is fine. I don't doesn't bother me at all. So it's just funny that. He has all these dramatic falls and people think he like got shot and he's never going to walk again. And then <laughs> he's back in the game. Um, I know too but yeah, so I, I think if he does sit, it will be because he has another, you know, we'll notice it when yeah, it happens. We'll see like it. He, okay. he, he comes down and you see it in his face or he has to leave the game, whatever it is. So I, I think if that happens, yeah, maybe he misses a week, week and a half, two weeks, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And they just have to prepare for the playoffs, and, and that'll really hurt with their schedule, with seeding and all all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, but, it's a terrible time for him to have to deal with it, for what it's worth. Like, we've talked until, about this month coming up, and now it's here. And to know he's, like, one bad fall away is, is very worrisome. It really is wild how bad this schedule. Like, good for entertainment purposes, bad for yeah, it's crazy. all sorts of other reasons. They're about to go on the road, and... Even when they're not playing good teams, it's like, man, they have a back-to-back between, uh, I want to say, they have a run that's like, they go Miami, Dallas, Milwaukee in four days. That is like, those are not close locations. I mean, yeah, that's true. But also, like, dude, the Celtics (laughs) game on Saturday is a huge one. Like, just in terms of, what are they down? Are they down 2-0 to them right now? Yeah, so if they lose this game, the season series is over, so the... it would essentially remove the chance to take the number one seed. I I still think it's a really unlikely. How many games are they back now? They're down. They're three games back, so they could get within two with a win. And then it's like, okay, I mean, yeah. it's going to be very difficult because the strength of schedule is what it is, and you know Boston has just been better than them. But if you're within two and they play Boston again, it's or do they play Boston again? Yeah, I think they have well, one more. Yeah, it's three. For, yeah. End of the year. Um, so, yeah, if they make sure they don't lose the tiebreaker and they're two games back, everything changes. Like that, We're talking about it differently. They lose. Boston then goes up four games, and the Sixers have to, the, the Sixers don't win with a tie. To pass them by five. They right. have to pass yeah. them outright. So they're effectively five games back. And yeah. with, I think there's, what, 24 games left at this point? Yeah, they, they probably won't do it. So If they fall, five, if they fall you have to essentially beat them by five games in the final, whatever. Yeah. So, I mean, it's as big a game as you're going to get in late February in the NBA, 8.30 PM, by the way, on ABC. Oh, it's 8.30? Nice. 8.30 ABC game. So I'm going to be at the arena until, you know, two o'clock in the morning. That'll be fun. If we do a podcast Sunday, which I presume we will after uh, a big game, I I will most likely have bigger bags (laughs) under my eyes than I normally do. Um, but it's look, it's exciting, man. Uh, this is a, a great time of the year and it's a great yeah. runway into the playoffs. Well, speaking of, unless you have any other Sixers thing, I, I have a final thought, but then we can, is it last move. of us or something else? No, no. So I did catch up on last of us. It's hard to talk about cause I don't want to give spoilers away, yeah. but I refuse to accept that the ending of the last episode is true. It seems like it is based off the preview of the next week, but like, I, I don't know. I just, it floored me that, I mean, again, 
we can't really talk about because it's a spoiler, but just I can't believe I, it. Well, I know what happened, so I'm not going to say anything at okay. all. So that's I, yeah, I I have some some thoughts. But um, speaking of being up late, I have, a, I have a question for you. As someone that lives in the city, right? So I'm going out tonight. We have a dinner reservation for for a birthday. It's like uh, me, Kristen, and another couple. Dude, the dinner reservation is at 9:30 at night. Am I just like super old or is that like absurd? I mean, I woke up this morning, like Kristen's alarm went off at 7.30 and I was like, we don't have dinner for 14 hours from now. Like, <laughs> like, like 9.30, like we won't even eat until 10. Like I'm basically gonna have to eat my lunch at five. Like, is that, is that, it's someone that also knows how tough it is to get reservations. And this is a tough place to get a reservation, but like 9.30, like what's your cutoff when you're like, all right, fuck this. I'm not even like, that's too late. I would, so it, special circumstances i would do 9 30 so i'm, I'm not going to make you reveal where you're going because we don't need people badgering you at uh yeah a dinner well, later I'll, 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 have you ever been to fiorella oh i've been there multiple times yeah yeah it's banging really really time. good yeah, yeah i really i really like it um i, I really enjoyed the the sausage ragu there it's a very right, basic uh yeah I, that's because actually, normally Kendall goes there without me and brings mm. me back. That it, that travels well, so that's it important. does. Well, I think pasta um, is better cold in general, so that works out. Oh no, 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 no! <laughs> I, I prefer pasta cold. Like I think. Oh if it my, comes that's out, that's one of your worst takes of all. Dude, time. I like when I have good pasta. To your point, like if Kristen were to go tonight and bring me back something, I would not heat it up. Like I would eat it out of the fridge, like straight up cold. I just think it's better that way. It's condensed. You're a, history, you're a serial killer. That's, that's <laughs> awful. Well, uh, I do travel with pasta. So, but so to your point, I like a, a new year's type situation where it's going to be a late night. I'm that is a situation where I'm fine with later dinners, like a nine, right. nine 30. Unfortunately, the Sixers like always play on new year's yeah. Eve, which is really annoying. That does um, kill it. I would say average night. They're like normal going out to dinner. I would do like eight, eight thirty is probably my normal cutoff. But mm -hmm. I also I I talk Kendall all the time that I would be a great New York City person where when I visit friends there mm -hmm. and they don't even really start pre gaming until like ten p.m. <laughs> or like uh, going, yeah. like I remember visiting a, a friend of mine up there years ago, and I show up at a uh, girl I went to high school with's apartment, and it's ten o'clock, and I'm like used to like all right things are like really happening <laughs> and her and my other friend are in their apartment like doing their hair and just like yeah. very like clearly not in their going out clothes and i was like oh okay so yeah. this is she's like and she yells to her friend in the other room like hey can you order some uh some wine and some seltzer on <laughs> not a go puff on like seamless or something right whatever one of the and first I, ones was so it's like they haven't even secured what they're going to drink to pregame before they go out and i was like all right i really like this because i'm up late all the time and i like the whole bars are open till four all that yeah but, but yeah it's not that's not the mode i'm in right now so i would say 8 8 30 is my normal cutoff 9 9 30 would be special circumstances like a a zahav type reservation or, or something well like even just think about this like all right so the dinner's at 9 30 we're going over their house at eight we're gonna be drinking for an hour and a half before we even have dinner so <laughs> like i'm like yeah. I, like so my uh my friend james uh seltzer who's now doing the morning show so he's been getting up at 3 30 in the morning he told me he's eating dinner at four o'clock i was like this is the best thing i ever heard like i would i would love to eat like a nice early dinner like i am just i'm not into the late dinners man I'm that's like, honestly I'm, on 
on home game nights, that's basically when I eat dinner and not yeah. because I not because I want to, but because I don't want to eat the food at the arena. So I Well, it's, it's crazy that, you know, this is deep media talk, but it's crazy that they charge you for the dinner. Like I know that there's there's 41 games. Don't get me started on the on... <laughs> like it like as someone that's only covered a few Sixers games, it blows my mind. But whatever. The Sixers. We did are, get halftime. We did get halftime hot dogs last night and it's... allegedly are getting them tomorrow night against Boston. So that's why you go to college, man. Stuff like that. You know, that's what you do <laughs> it for. The free halftime hot dog. So all right, we're gonna wrap this up. Um, should have said this at the beginning of the pod, but thank you to those that did leave five star reviews. I enjoyed reading them, made my day. I appreciated one person, gave us five stars, and then just like left a super specific, correct uh, type of thing we should work on. So I love that too. But as long as- Oh, it's I didn't even see that. So I'm gonna have to yeah. check out our reviews. So thank you to everybody. Thank you to everyone that's listened. Um, as Kyle said, I agree. We'll probably do a pod Sunday morning after the Celtics game. It's an important one. And I leave for Indy on Monday. So it'll be tough once I go there. But thank you to everybody that's listening. Um, we'll talk to you next time, hopefully after a Sixers win over the Celtics. And I won't complain about the uh, effort. So Kyle, I will talk to you on a uh, Sunday morning. See you guys soon.